Pastor Xavier Reese tells us why the Bible is instrumental in following God. They will walk with me, says Jesus. Walking speaks of fellowship with God. Walking speaks of oneness with God, even as Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question. No. If we agree, then we can. But we agree with God. He does not agree with us. We don't change His Word. We don't add to His Word. We are subject to His Word. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Church history is full of incredible movements that have given birth to numerous denominations, but today, many of them are powerless. Today, Pastor Xavier talks about the things that can kill a church. So let's join him as he takes us back to his study in the book of Revelation for today's important message, The Dead Church, Sardis. The first four churches of Revelation have given to us a good picture of what churches can turn into through imperfect men who lead them, as well as a congregation of sinners. <laughs> we have great potential for error and evil if we don't stay on track with the Lord. Churches and individuals can be Ephesians who are loveless, Smyrnans who are suffering, Pergamons who are worldly, and Thyatirans who are pagans. And this is consistently true of all the seven churches, giving each of us an opportunity to examine our own lives as a church and as individuals. Now, the fifth church here, the church of Sardis, is a church that was not threatened by heresy, paganism, immorality. Its main problem was its danger of self-destruction. It was not depending on the Holy Spirit of God coming to a spiritual state of deadness. Lenski, the scholar, says, quote, Sardis suffered from spiritual dry rot and deadness. How dangerous it is to think that we are sufficient, that we no longer depend on the Lord. How easy it becomes to deceive ourselves in thinking that we are dependent on the Lord and really are not dependent on the Lord. It's just on cruise control. Everything's as usual. Remember Jesus says, like the days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah? He wasn't pointing out the sin in that context. He was saying, Life goes on as usual. No big deal. They weren't expecting the Lord. This happens all the time in people's lives and in movements and in denominations. It's like the wave. You go surfing. It's got that crescent shape. But once it breaks, you can still ride in. But it's white water. It's not a wave anymore. Sadly, that's what's happened. Now, we've looked at the Catholic Roman Church. I told you we're going to get to the Protestants. Here we are. And he hits them hard. Again, the message is applicable for all times, but not only for the church during John's day. And the messages, as you know, are applicable in terms of a local church in John's day was real, a period of church history, a type of church that can exist throughout the church age, and a type of Christian. Those four applications are straight across. The pattern by now you're used to already. You have the proclamation, the commendation, the condemnation, the exhortation, and the application with a few exceptions of one or two points. And like all other churches, we've looked at the historical background so we can understand the letter, and it makes more sense, and that's always helpful. So let me read my text, and we'll get into uh, the historical background. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain, 
that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Historical information and background for Sardis. The city of Sardis was situated about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira and about 50 miles due east of Smyrna. Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, little horseshoe coming around the bend there. The wealth of the city was great due to its gold and its silver extracts from the sands of the river Pactulus. Uh, the location of the city commanded the trade to the Aegean islands, and the uh, military role for, was important there in the Hermes Valley, uh, the river valley. So its location was very, very important. The city also had a dye industry, jewelry, and it was noted for its carpet industries. But it's interesting that its luxury only led it to moral decadence. And that's always the case in people's lives, nations, and, and, and kingdoms. Luxury leads to decadence all the time. Very few people can handle wealth. The city was one of the oldest and most important cities in Asia Minor until 549 B.C., and it was the capital of the kingdom of Lydia, which began in 1200 B.C., and the city was known as, quote, the first metropolis of Asia. Now, the city sat on the um, north slope of Mount Timulus, uh, overlooking the fertile valley of the river Pactolus, which served as a moat for the protection of the city, and the city was known for it being unimpregnable to get into the city. On the steep slopes, the Acropolis, nearly perpendicular rocks, rose about 1,500 feet above the lower valley there on every side except for the south side. The city was burned, though, in 501 B.C. by the Ionians. And then it fell twice, first to Cyrus the Great of Persia in um, 546 B.C. and in 216 B.C. to Antiochus the Great or Antiochus Epiphany. In 334 B.C., the city surrendered to Alexander the Great and then was taken by the Antigonus. Now, in 190 B.C., it formed part of the Pergamos Empire, and later, 133 A.D., it formed part of the Roman province until about the year 395. In A.D. 17, an earthquake devastated the city greatly, and it was rebuilt by the help of the Emperor Tiberius. Uh, it was completed in 26 A.D., but it struggled in its um, efforts to regain its glory. Everything that really it was known for and reputable for was in the past. There was nothing going on in the present. And sadly, this is the natural bent of man. As you get older in life, if you're not a Christian, you always say, oh, the good old days. And you want to capture the good old days. You want to go back to the old neighborhood. And you want to do this and that, and, you know. And nothing ever happens the rest of your life. For some guys, football was the top thing of their life. For others, it was the service. For others, it was their education. Whatever it is, you put the label there. But you live on past glories. This was Sardis. Now, in the same year, 26 AD, Sardis begged the Roman Senate to grant them permission to build a temple for Caesar, but it was denied and given to Smyrna. 
By the time of the Roman period, again, Ramesses describes it as the following. Listen, a relic of the period of barbaric warfare, which lived rather on its ancient prestige than on its suitability to present conditions. It was gone. Oh, remember when God used to move? You should be saying, I thank God what he did in the past 20 years ago, what he's been doing. But I want to know he's active now. I want to know what he's doing right now. You understand? Very important. Later, the city was restored and continued until about 14 to 1403 when the Tarmalane destroyed the area completely. Now, interesting, the name Sardis means escaping ones, those who had come out of the Catholic Church in the Protestant Reformation, the remnant, the escaping ones. Now, the Church of Sardis itself, uh, we know very little except for the letter here. And uh, again, it certainly probably came out of uh, Paul's ministry in Ephesus as the other churches. And the name Sardis is in the plural, representing two towns, one on the plateau and the other in the valley. And the church of Sardis, again, spiritually represents in church history uh, the Protestant Reformation from 1500 to 1750 A.D. Some of those who escaped out of the pagan church of Rome were Luther, Knox, Calvin, Tyndale, and many, many others. The religion of Sardis... The city had an Acropolis, as you know, the Temple of Sibylle, quite equal in size to the Temple of Aphrodite there in Ephesus. And it was the main worship comparable to Diana, 800 foot uh, feet above the north section there of Sardis, but it was never uh, finished. Sibylle was um, represented by a half-human associate with a pair of lions or a single lion having power uh, to restore the dead. What an oxymoron. They were spiritually dead and they weren't restored. <laughs> the message makes sense. The city had a necropolis, which is a cemetery of a thousand hills, quote, and so named because uh, the hundreds of burial mounds were able to be seen visibly in the skyline from seven miles away from Sardis. How interesting. God sees their deadness all the way from heaven. When John wrote, the glory of the city was past. Sadly, this is the picture of many Christian churches today. They're looking to the past. They're living on the laurels of the past. This was historical background to Sardis. Now, let's begin with the proclamation here. Look at verse 1. The identity of the recipient, again, of the letter is the angel of Sardis. Once again, the messenger means the minister, not an angel. He doesn't preach from pulpits. The context, again, dictates that. And the word is church, ecclesia, those called out, out of darkness, out of the world, out of sin, to the kingdom of God. The word church appears 19 times in chapter 1, 2, and 3. It doesn't appear again except for one more time in chapter 22, verse 16. After chapter 4, the church is no longer on earth. It's gone. Notice the identity of the writer is Jesus Christ again. It's the words of Jesus. The things says is the Lord, not John. The seven messages to the churches, each individually, we all collectively have to pay heed to all of them. Notice the identity is once again a very fitting one. The Lord identifies himself there in verse 1 as he who has the seven spirits of God. It goes back to chapter 1, verse 4 in the glorified Christ vision, okay? The reference to the seven full work of the Holy Spirit, not seven Holy Spirits. I gave you the scripture of Isaiah 11:2, where there is the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Threefold work of the Holy Spirit. The one who gives life and direction to the church. 
the Holy Spirit. Now notice our Lord also identifies himself as the one who has the seven stars. Goes back again to chapter 1, verse 16 and chapter 20 where it's interpreted for us. The seven stars are held at the right hand of Jesus, referring that they are under his control, his function, under his power. That's the way it's to be. But it's not always that case. Here it's not the case. They're doing their own thing. They're not dependent upon him. The seven stars were identified as the seven angels or the ministers who are supposed to be dependent. And so sadly, people begin in the spirit, but they end up in the flesh, as Galatians says. 3.3, 3, as Paul tells them, beginning in the spirit. Now you're going to be perfect in the flesh? Of course not. Notice Sardis had, was the remnant, the escaping ones from pagan Rome. This is the Protestant Reformation. The word tells us that no one can be enlightened apart from the Holy Spirit of God. That is why our Lord identifies himself here as such, and it's very significant because he's the one that builds his church, adds to his church, directs his church, reproves his church, rebukes his church, enlightens his church through the Spirit of God. Not because we're so smart. When we get to that place, we will become a Sardian church or a Sardian Christian. This was the proclamation to Sardis. They had begun the Spirit, but now they were attempting to perfect themselves in the flesh. Now, the commendation comes you have to jump down to verse 4. The order changes in this church. But it's no longer to the church. It's to the individual, the faithful one, like the last church. The church has gotten worse, progressively worse. Now he deals with individuals. Notice in verse 4, there were a few names in Sardis who had not defiled their garments. Again, note that the commendation is not to the church, but to the person individually. They are identified as few. It means small, slight, little. They're still alive. They are the minority. And yet they were acknowledged by Jesus. That is so great. They are given emphasis by the phrase, listen, even in Sardis. There's the emphasis, even in Sardis. The phrase focuses on their personal commitment to the Lord. In spite of how bad it was, they were faithful. Even in the midst of the dead church, there were a few who were faithful, who had received and had heard in the past and continued to do so but they weren't partaking of the doctrine of that church or being one with that church. So be careful when you make the association, okay? The commitment was not dependent on the time or the pressure of man, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Parents, be careful that you don't defend your children in their disobedience to God. And you say, well, you know, it's so much more difficult today. It's not like when we grew up. Do your children have it worse than Daniel? How about Noah? How about the apostles? The ability to live in Christ depends on the power of the Spirit of God, not the generation that we live in. They're choices we make. We have to trust the Lord. They were the spiritual ones among the unspiritual, the humble among the proud, the live among the dead. It's just that simple. The fact that they had not defiled their garments does not refer to their own righteousness, but to that of Christ. You know Isaiah 64, 6, our righteousness as filthy rags, a menstrual garment, all of us. But when we're born again, now his righteousness is imputed to us and we're justified by grace through faith. Romans 5, 1 and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I am seen in Christ. 
The allusion to the wool industry of Sardis cannot be missed here. Pagan worshipers could not approach their gods with soiled garments. Should Christians? Of course not. The righteousness to live day by day was the imparted righteousness of Jesus as they abided in Christ, John 15, 1 through 5. Abiding, abiding, abiding. Herodotus, the Greek historian, said that the citizens of Sardis had a reputation for lax moral standards and open licentiousness. Welcome to America. Perversity. Man, have we gone down. The lives of the few were changed, being new creatures. All things pass away, everything become new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Putting off the old man, putting on the new man, Colossians 3.8-14. through 14. Reckoning the old man dead in Romans 5, 12, all the way to the end of chapter 8. Every day, I have to walk in the Spirit, depend upon Him. The Scriptures are consistent in reminding us that it will not be the majority that will enter heaven. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who find or that go and buy it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus said to his disciples, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Little flock, Luke 12, 32. Notice the few would be rewarded by Jesus there in verse 4. They will walk with me, says Jesus. Walking speaks of fellowship with God. Walking speaks of oneness with God, even as Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question. No. If we agree, then we can. But we agree with God. He does not agree with us. We don't change his word. We don't add to his word. We are subject to his word. They walk in white. White speaks of purity, of righteousness, of heaven. It's mentioned the white garments are over and over. Chapter 3, verse 18, 6, 11, 7, 9, 13, 19, 14, over and over again. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. And notice they, were, they who walk are worthy to walk. Not in their own worthiness, but because they've trusted in Christ. Referring to the relationship with Christ. Referring to the dependency upon Christ. Referring to their obedience to Christ. And referring to their salvation by grace through faith in Christ. That's the bottom line. This is the commendation to Sardis. The individual. Not the church. And there are always a remnant in all seven churches. But if they are faithful, they will not partake of the doctrine of that church. If they are, then they're part of that church. The whole ecumenical movement, let's be one, let's be tolerant, let's not be judgmental. Don't let that grab your mind. You better make judgments. Very important. Now notice the condemnation. We've got to jump back to verse 1. The condemnation is in verse 1 there, the latter portion. Jesus knew what they had done and were doing in the present. The word Noah, as you know, before is Oida. It means intellectual knowledge, understanding, perception. He sees everything. The works refer to that which they had been occupied in and those that were undertaken now. So God sees everything. But it doesn't mean that they glorify God. Jesus knew they had a name that gave an appearance that they were alive. Look at there. Verse 1. Their works had given them a reputation among the people as being Christian. 
A reputation is always in reference to the outward visible deeds and behavior that people can see, not the inward character. They had caught the eye of the people. They had gained quite a reputable name, but the Lord was not buying it. For the Lord who sees and knows all things focus upon the motives and the hearts. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. All things are open and naked to him. Nothing escapes him. Their works were not good. In fact, they were mentioned for their condemnation. It is always a mistake to think that we are right with God when people compliment us. Listen to Luke 6, 26. Jesus says, Woe to you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. <laughs> they appeared to be alive regarding the things of God. Their works were superficial evidence of being alive. Their piety gave sense of godliness. Their words were the right ones. Their church was considered Christian, but it was dying from within. Their appearance was deceptive and dangerous. Listen to the scripture. The scriptures tell us that she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. 1 Timothy 5, 6, and that includes he too. <laughs> People come to church on Sunday, but they just got drunk last night. They got loaded. They had an affair last night. People live like the devil from Monday to Friday, and then they come to midweek. Given the appearance of being alive, they're dead. Notice Jesus knew their real condition. There it is. They were dead. The Holy Spirit was not given the right place. That is why Jesus refers to himself as the one with seven spirits. They were living on their own. It was not the one doing the work in them. The works were professional formalism, dead orthodoxy, living by their past life and fame. This happens to Christians, happens to churches. The one's preoccupation of Sardis with death by her impressive necropolis that could be seen for seven miles away had now become a reality for herself. She was dead as the church of Jesus Christ. Sardis is dead Protestantism, no better than pagan Romanism in the eyes of Jesus. In fact, worse, for it is the most severe denunciated of all seven. I told you when we got with the Catholic Church and Pergamos Thyatira, we'd get to the Protestants. Here we are. <laughs> he gets on them worse because they came out, because they saw the deception, but their works were not perfect. They did not break away completely and did not come out far enough. The average church in America, do you realize, is 50 to 55 people? The church in America is dead. You want to know where we're going? Look at London. Look at Europe. Islam rules them. There's more temples to Allah than churches. More people in them than in churches. That will happen to us if we don't depend on the Spirit of God. That will happen to me. That will happen to you. Too many people in the church are working hard at dying by being good organizers, church planners, motivational speakers, instead of living and depending upon the Spirit of God. Purpose-driven church 
Big thing today, big buzzword. You get these guys that seekers friendly churches, four or five thousand, make them grow in 40 days. All I know about 40 is the number of judgment. That's all I know. It's their church. We're so clever today. We go to the seminaries and cemeteries and seminars to get our patterns on how we can make our church grow. Listen, my Bible says Jesus after the church, proclaim the gospel, teach the word of God, pray, and look to him. Pastor Xavier Reese calls for the church to get back to the basics of the word. Now you can request a copy of today's important study from the book of Revelation titled The Dead Church Sardis. As always, it's available for just $4 on CD. Make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is The Dead Church Sardis, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you contact us. What are the distinguishing marks of a true believer? Do you see them in yourself? Make sure you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he talks about these simple truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 